Hi there, it's Dallas Travers here, your host of the Coaches on a Mission podcast. Welcome to episode number two of our very special What to Do Instead series, where I've invited some of my favorite voices in the online coaching space to offer up actionable alternatives to the harmful, the outdated, or the just plain silly practices perpetuated in our industry. This episode specifically is designed to help you set smart, data-driven goals. Now, I'm going to introduce our guests in just a moment, but first, stop whatever you're doing right now and please go download the special What to Do Instead companion magazine. Inside, we feature an article inspired by every one of our guest experts, plus something like 27 incredible free resources you can download to take what you're learning here even further. So go to dallastravers.com slash W-T-D-I. That stands for What to Do Instead. That's dallastravers.com slash W-T-D-I. Go there now to grab the magazine because I pledge to donate $1 to the AFIA Center for every new subscriber who downloads the magazine before December 31st. So the AFIA Center is an incredible reproductive justice organization. They're located in northern Texas and they are dedicated to bringing true reproductive freedom to black women and girls through education, resources, and service. So not only will you get a very pretty magazine, the pages turn, my people. This is not a boring PDF. It's so pretty. (laughs) But you're also going to get a bunch of incredible free resources donated by our guests and simply by opting in, you'll get to show your support to the AFIA Center. The link to grab your companion magazine right now is dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. So with that, let's talk about our data-driven goals experts. First up is Frenchie Ferenzi, who's going to show you how to stay close to the money. This is the strategy that any overworked coach needs right now because it's going to help you know exactly where you can get the most bang for your marketing buck. From there, Megan Hale is going to share a really smart framework to help you rethink your revenue goals. No more slapping a $9.97 price tag on your program because that's what you see everybody else doing online. From there, Kristen Lawton will finally share three steps to put no like, and trust into action. I love this interview because we've all heard about no like, and trust, right? But I've never really heard someone break it down in such a smart and actionable way. And then last but not least, Danielle Tucker is going to speak into what I think might be the most important data point every coach needs to follow. That's your energy right? Danielle will tell you that your unique energy DNA is the real key to business success. All right. So are you ready for a fresh approach to goal setting built on data instead of vibes? Me too. (laughs) All right, let's get started. Hi, my name is Frenchie Ferenzi, and I'm a business strategist and advisor for overwhelmed but seriously ambitious experts and creatives. I help business owners do the right work at the right time so that they can stay on the path to consistent revenue growth. I help clients do things like sell out their launches and spend more time with their kids so they feel empowered to achieve their biggest business goals without falling victim to the hustle and the grind. One kind of useless practice that coaches need to ditch right away is the idea that we need to be doing all sorts of different activities 
to grow our business. Okay. There is such a sense of beyond shiny object syndrome, right? Because shiny object is the idea that you're jumping from one thing to the next. I'd call it like shiny mountain syndrome in that we're just adding more and more shiny things to our plate and putting this pressure on ourselves to do all of it. Right. And that is such a ineffective and unsustainable path to growth. So I want to share why we need to let go of this idea that doing more leads to more. Okay. And it's not just that we need to rest and take care of ourselves, although those things are so incredibly important. When we focus on too many things, it is very difficult to do anything well enough to drive the results that we want. So this is very much an example of quality over quantity, although I would go even further and actually say beyond quality over quantity, it's about impact over quantity. And by impact, I mean, what is the measurable impact that that effort that you are thinking about investing your time and energy on will have on your business? And if you can't measure that impact, right, then we really need to think about what the value is. But when we do all the things, it can often fuel our internal sense of working, right? Like, oh, I'm working hard. I'm doing all the things. But in reality, it's actually getting in the way of our growth. So we need to let go of the idea of doing everything because it impedes our growth and our ability to really reach our goals in a way that feels sustainable in the short, medium, and long term. Before I take you through the steps, I really want to introduce you to what you can do instead of trying to do all of it. And what you can do instead is stay close to the money. Make sure that you are doing the work and investing your time and energy in the efforts that you have seen or have evidence to believe will drive you the revenue growth that you are looking for. When you think about staying close to the money, you realize that you can eliminate so many different tasks from your to-dos and it will completely change the game in terms of you feeling like you are reaping the rewards of the time that you put in. Now I'll take you through each step of how you're going to stay close to the money all day, every day. So the first step is always going to be to define your goal because this idea of staying close to the money is really the idea of staying close to your goal. Most of the business owners that I work with are looking to increase their revenue, but I have worked with business owners who are looking to have more time off, to have more flexibility, to have more fun. There's a lot of different outcomes that my clients are looking for and that you might be looking for. So when we think of staying close to the money, we can also think about it as staying close to our goal. And to stay close to a goal and to be clear on a goal, we need to define the goal. So the very first step is for you to define your goal, and that is at all levels, right? So some people are thinking about their annual goals and their annual revenue goals. Some people are thinking about their goal for the week, right? What is one goal that I want to get done this week? For the purposes of listening to this you know, short 10-minute lesson, I'm gonna ask you to think about your week, okay? So we'll use all of this in the context of a week because I really want there to be, for you to be able to use this right away and see an instant difference. And it's harder 
naturally to see the difference over a year-long span than a week-long span. So let's start by defining your goal for the week, okay? And maybe your goal for this week is to book two sales calls, okay? That's going to be your goal for the week. You have a really high conversion rate on your sales calls and your goal for the week is to book those two sales calls. So that's where we're going to start, okay? So you're going to define that goal. From there, you're going to evaluate your choices. So if your goal is to get to book two sales calls this week, okay? The choices that you have depend on what you've done in the past, but what has driven sales calls in the past, right? This is what we look for. So have you hosted events that have led to sales calls? Have you done Insta Lives with someone that have led to sales calls? What are the tactical, tangible measures that you could take to get to that place, right? To really to get those two calls booked. And that looks slightly different for different people. Sometimes it's personal outreach. Sometimes it's looking for referrals, so on and so forth. But take a minute to think through what the options are. A lot of times this is a missing piece in staying close to the money is it can feel like a lot of these things happen by luck or by accident. And so coaches or business owners will forget to realize like, there are, we can't control the result, right? We can't necessarily control the output, right? The output that we want in this case are two sales calls by the end of the week. But what we can control are the efforts that we make to get to that outcome. So that is what we talk about when we're talking about evaluating our choices. So we've defined our goal. We're evaluating the choices. And then what we really need to do is with those choices in front of us, ask ourselves, which is the most likely to get me where I want to go, right? That's another way of thinking about which is the closest to the money, right? So for example, maybe one choice is post on Instagram that you have two spots open for calls this week, but that involves steps like making the post, posting it, getting it out there, hoping people like it, hoping people respond to it, seeing what happens, so on and so forth. Or potentially you could reach out to two people who you think would be really interesting clients in your world and invite them into a session with you, right? So one is closer to the money. One actually allows you to then move on to the next step, which is measuring your impact, right? When we think about measuring the impact, what we want to do is we want to start putting numbers around the work that we do. So that next time you want to book two sales calls in a week, you know, not only let's just say what you decide to do is personal outreach, inviting people, but, and you realize you learn this week that it took you eight outreaches to get two calls booked. Now, you know that for next time. So next time when you're mapping out a hatching a plan to book more sales calls, you'll have that metric, right? So what we're doing is that after you've defined the goal and you're evaluating your choices, then you're thinking about, okay, which ones are most likely to work? Which ones are closest to the money, right? So which ones will be most time and energy friendly? And then we're measuring the impact and we're measuring the process to get there so that we can recreate it. And that leads us to our last phase in staying close to the money, which is do more of what works. Okay. So when we think about staying close to the money and when we think about life as entrepreneurs and business owners, 
I always say the, what makes us such incredible business owners is the pursuit of novelty. And what makes us the worst business owners is the pursuit of novelty. Okay. We want to do the new, exciting, the new, different, the new, 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 and that can be wonderful. But if you have established a system that works, that is driving your growth and that is helping you get closer to your goals, you want to keep doing what works, right? So if you have figured out what keeps you close to the money, both in this example of a week and also beyond, that is what you really want to keep doing and making sure that you make the time and space for. So quick recap as we wrap up. The five steps of staying close to the money, defining your goal, evaluating your choices, deciding which choices are closest to the money, measuring the impact of the work that you're doing, and then doing more of what works so that you can repeatedly stay close to the money over and over again. So here's what happens when you can stay close to the money. Okay. I had a client last year who called me and told me, that she wanted to maintain her income, but she wanted to take three months off to take her children skiing and in the winter. And so she needed to make the same amount of money in nine months, hatching out a strategy that kept her close to the money. She was able to do just that. She maintained a stable income and also was able to go and spend that time with her kids in the mountains, skiing and all that and all those fun things. So there's the stability that can come along with it, right? And this is when I mentioned earlier, the idea of like defining your goal is so important. I also had a client, Holly, and she wanted to leave her job. And so she was really trying to figure out how does she do the right work at the right time so that she's making enough money to then allow her to leave her job. And her goal initially was to leave her job within 12 months. She was able to leave her job within six months with the momentum that she saw. And because she was working full-time and parenting, she needed to really streamline the amount of work that she was doing. She didn't have tons and tons of time. And so she was able to focus on staying close to the money, grow her sales effectively, and then leave her job and move into running her own business full-time. If you take nothing else away from this episode, just know that staying close to the money is going to be the most valuable, like secret weapon that you have that you can always turn to because we all have our doubts and moments of wondering, should I change gears? What should I do next? Should I be doing something different? Should I be doing something more? Should I be, should, 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 should. And when we actually follow this philosophy of staying close to the money, We completely neutralize the shoulds and we actually look at what is going to help me achieve my goals, which then is going to fuel your motivation like so, so much because you're going to see better results sooner and faster. So when in doubt, ask yourself, am I staying close to the money? And you will find a huge, huge shift in how you feel about your work and the results that you're getting. 
Hello, hello. My name is Megan Hale. I'm a business strategist for coaches, practitioners, and therapists, especially being a former therapist myself, who loves helping thought leaders distill their wisdom into signature offers that can help more people and also build a body of work that makes a lasting contribution. One of the first steps I take with all of my clients before we ever get into offer design or business strategy is helping them clarify the financial needs they have from their business so we can ensure we're pursuing financial stability and abundance. One outdated practice coaches need to ditch right away is shying away from the financials of your business and start considering revenue like the air your business needs to breathe. So many of us start our businesses with a desire to help others, but also make a living doing work we love. One of the biggest shifts we can make is getting clear on how much revenue we really need our businesses to provide that allow us to feel supported, financially nourished, and abundant, while also still taking a people-first approach to business growth. One of the biggest mistakes I see coaches make, myself included, is pursuing a revenue goal that might sound like it's enough versus doing our due diligence of actually calculating enough. When we know what our true enough number is, this is what sets our businesses up to intentionally fund our needs and dreams and ultimately thrive. The problem, of course, is that most of us are pursuing 10K months, 20K months, etc., without knowing if our revenue goals are actually what we need. This can lead to us pursuing someone else's benchmark of financial success or abundance when we deserve much more clarity than that, as well as a way to define financial success on our own terms. After all, the quickest way to build a business that doesn't bring you joy, happiness, or fulfillment is to base your revenue goals on someone else's vision, needs, or dreams. You might actually be pursuing a revenue goal that isn't anywhere near enough, especially if you're here to create true financial stability. This means you could be unknowingly undercharging for your work or feeling like you need to be selling all the time just to make ends meet. And worse, you're still coming up short of funding your financial needs and dreams when clarity around your enough number can fix this right up. Alternatively, though, the opposite can also be true, in which you might be pursuing a revenue goal that is way more than you actually need to create true financial stability and abundance. This means you could be unknowingly putting a lot of financial pressure and stress on you and your business, which is why having specific, anchored, and custom-to-you revenue goals is so incredibly key. And just as a quick aside, when I'm helping my clients calculate their revenue goals that are actually anchored and meaningful for what they personally need, they usually do not need to be making nearly as much as they think in order to fund some of their biggest, wildest, audacious dreams. So having a framework for this is really, really important when it comes to setting revenue goals, especially if you're here to create a sense of financial abundance, because the definition of abundance is having more than enough. And so in order for us to have more than enough, we first have to calculate what enough is first, right? So before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. I've developed a specific revenue goal setting process called Good Better Best Goals that's part of my larger dream money framework that helps you set personally meaningful revenue goals based on your unique financial needs and dreams. Now let me take you through each step. Your good goal is the number you need to reach in order to unlock financial stability, so you're good, you're covered. Your better and best goals, though, take it one step further by not only covering your needs, which is what your good goal does, but also funding your dreams. So our first target financial milestone is always and forever your good goal, because when we know our most important financial needs are good and covered, this not only unlocks financial stability, but it also creates sustainable cash flow, financial relief, and security, which means our nervous systems start to relax, urgency starts to decrease, and we can also start tending to higher level business activities that can create even more momentum. When we are 
in that month to month cash crunch, so many entrepreneurs find themselves on. What we find ourselves doing is simply trying to survive when what most of us want to be doing is thrive, right? One of the quickest ways we can get into that thriving energy is actually creating stability first, which is why your good goal is the number one most important financial milestone for you to truly understand and reach inside your business. So when it comes to your good goal, we first need to define what being financially good in air quotes really means. In my methodology, we do this by clarifying seven key financial needs we all have as business owners. Let me walk you through each one of these real quick. Your first financial need and likely most important is really understanding your personal pay, which is the amount we need to be making from our businesses in order to pay for our lives. And I am sure that you are nodding along right now. Like yes, Megan, this is the number one key financial need. The second financial need is our business expenses, because this is kind of an important one. If we're going to keep the lights on, so to speak, and continuing to do our important work in the world, right? So really understanding how much it's costing you to run your business is another key financial need that we need to make sure our good goal is covering. The third financial need is our taxes, because this is one piece of living in a society where we are going to be paying for things that support us all, or that's the idea at least, right? And so we also want to make sure that when we're thinking about our revenue goals, we're not only making enough to pay for our lives and our business expenses, but we're also making enough to account for our taxes that we are going to owe. The fourth financial need is having business savings, because if we want to step into more than enough money, right, having more than enough money there is going to be fairly important. And so we want to make sure that as we're thinking about our good goal, we're also setting ourselves up to have extra for if and when we need it. This is also one strategic way we can really start moving into the direction of abundance. So when we're thinking about your revenue goals, we want to make sure we're not just earning enough to get by, but that we're earning enough so we have some extra lying around. The fifth financial need is all around our reinvestment needs. And this is one that I see a lot of entrepreneurs overlook, but we will always and forever need to reinvest back into our businesses because we need to either hire people to complete a project that we cannot do ourselves or should not do ourselves, right? That can really make more possible for us. Or we need to hire a coach or take a course so we can drive our businesses forward. So really considering what your reinvestment needs are one piece that's really, really key when we're starting to think about your good goal. We want to make sure that your business is covering this need because you're going to need it. Otherwise, you're going to be putting that on a credit card, right? Now, this also does not mean that our good goal is going to be covering every single reinvestment dream that we have. And there are so many amazing offers and programs out there, right? But this is also when we're going to weave in the concept of margins, which I weave into the good goal calculator. So we are reinvesting a very specific percentage of your revenue back into the business. This not only helps you make really wise, discerning reinvestment decisions, but also helps you prioritize profitability. And all of this will make a lot more sense when we get into the good goal calculator. So your sixth financial need is all around team. So we are able to hire and don't have to do everything on our own. I know for most of us, we want to be able to feel supported and not have to carry everything on our shoulders. So this is definitely a key need if you're here to scale to multiple six figures and beyond, because you are definitely not going to get there on your own. We're going to have to have team members who can help hold other tasks or be in charge of other departments. So not everything is resting on you alone. This is also true if you're pursuing six figures in business, because we need help at that level too. So we need to make sure that when we're thinking about your good goal, you have some money there to bring people in. Okay. Our last financial need here is the smallest, but it's also the most meaningful. And that is having the ability to give back. Most of my clients, really value being able to leverage their financial success to help others, to fund change and allow their money to have a larger ripple effect in the world. And so one of the things I'm also considering when we're thinking about your good goal is let's make sure that we're also earning enough money where we can bake an intentional give back into your business. This not only allows you to see the power that your money can hold in the world, but also adds such a richer meaning to every single dollar that walks through your door.
So when we're talking about these seven key needs, let me just review them one more time. We have our personal expenses, our business expenses, taxes, our business savings, our reinvestment needs that allow us to continue growing and getting the support we need. We also have our teams. We're not carrying everything on our own. And then we also have giving or baking a give back into your business because it's not only key for creating more meaning between you and your money, but also stepping into more abundance as well, right? Knowing that we always have enough to give. So when we zoom out and consider each of these seven key needs, you can see we're really laying the foundation here for having more than enough money to pay for our lives, our businesses, and also having a really solid financial foundation to also save and give. I call this a holistic approach to really understanding our financial needs because so many of us don't take all of these into account, which is one of the biggest reasons why the money that we're earning doesn't feel like it's enough. So when we can take this bigger picture perspective, this starts to shift so much. So when we dive into the Good Goal Calculator, which is a freebie that you're getting access to, we're going to use very specific numbers to calculate exactly how much our businesses need to generate to fund each of these seven key needs I just mentioned. And what is super, super cool is that your good goal is going to be unique to you based on how much you need your business to pay you, how much it's costing you to run your business, how much you're currently spending on team, et cetera, right? And everyone, and I mean everyone, loves seeing their good goal for the very first time because this number is going to tell you exactly how much you need to be making for the year to have all of these seven key needs covered, but also how much you need to be making on average every single month. And here's where it gets really cool. Because when you have this number in mind, you now have a very targeted revenue goal to strive for, which then informs your price points, your sales goals, and even your strategy for how you're going to get there. Possible when more coaches know their good goal. One, this number is going to feel very specific and unique to you because it is. It carries so much more meaning than pursuing 10K months or six-figure years because your number is going to be very specific, as in down to the dollar for exactly how much you need to earn to create financial stability. Your good goal, for example, might be $123,983. Why this matters is because if you were only pursuing 100K or some round number, for instance, you'd end up almost 24K shy of unlocking true financial stability. And here's the kicker. That 24K might only be three more clients for you or 10 more course sales, depending on your business model. But when you have this level of financial clarity, you're able to really tailor your strategy for what you need to be possible versus just guessing or pursuing a number that feels good, but might not actually be good. Not to mention my therapist heart also knows this is essential for creating more meaning and connection between you and your money. I'm such a big believer in knowing your business financials and pursuing anchored, meaningful, specific revenue goals. It is so essential for creating your own version of financial success, but we have to calculate what success and financial stability look like first. This clarity was exactly what I needed to double my revenue while working half the time during the absolute hardest year of my life when I became a mama to two under two. Although I know getting clear on the numbers can feel scary or intimidating, the freedom we want also follows truth. Not to mention, the abundance we seek comes from knowing what abundance really looks like for us, which should be unique to our own values, vision, and dreams, but also very specific when it comes to the numbers because we can start reverse engineering from there. So as much as I would love to walk you through getting to your good goal without having to go through a calculator, that's definitely your next step as I've created all the equations for you that makes it easy peasy for you to fund each of your seven key needs. And if you vibe with this holistic approach to money and definitely the importance of stability first, check out the Good Goal Calculator freebie. I can't wait for you to see your good goal for the very first time. Hi, everybody. Just popping in here really quickly to remind you to please go to dallastravers.com 
forward slash WTDI. Go there and download your free copy of the Companion Digital Magazine. So we've turned each guest's talk into an easy-to-follow article. Plus, for every new email subscriber who downloads the magazine before the end of December, I'm going to donate a dollar to the AFIA Center, which is an incredible reproductive justice organization helping black women and girls achieve true reproductive freedom. So not only will you get the chance to support this incredible cause, but you'll also get a pretty rad freebie from each one of the contributors to What to Do Instead. So you can get the magazine now at dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. Thanks for your support. My name is Kristen Lawton, the marketing mixologist behind District Brand Bar. I specialize in helping business owners shake things up by creating a unique brand foundation, streamline marketing strategy, and setting up practical systems and routines so they can grow their brand effortlessly. One outdated practice coaches need to ditch right away is endlessly hyping the no like trust factor without any actionable guidance. I see it everywhere from emails to Instagram as this like elusive thing that's the key to success, but rarely does anyone actually tell you how to achieve it. It's like serving a cocktail with just ice, no substance, no flavor. Here's the bitter truth because this practice needs to go. Spouting off the no like trust mantra without providing actual steps is really leaving your audience high and dry and parched for real guidance. It feels like they're gatekeeping some magical strategy, but this isn't about calling out the experts. It's about recognizing the impact of such an ambiguous strategy on clients. They're left to shift through, sift through buzzwords, trying to distill some sense of what should be a straightforward process. It's like giving someone all the ingredients for a cocktail, but no recipe. It's frustrating, confusing, and ultimately missing an opportunity for something really great. So what's the alternative? How about a crystal clear client journey backed by an aligned marketing strategy that leaves no room for guesswork? Yeah, I'm talking about step-by-step on how to transform the fuzzy, abstract, no-like-trust concept into a well-blended path for your business and your audience. Your audience is going to know exactly what steps to take to move from just knowing you to actually liking you and trusting you enough to invest in your offering. Let's go through each step to create your unique client journey along the no look like trust path and align your marketing strategy for maximum impact. I want you to grab your notebook because by the end of this, you're going to be ready to take immediate action. Okay, so first, let's demystify the no like trust path. Let's break down which each of those mean. So no, this is the visibility stage. Think of your business as its grand entrance. It's all about how you first catch someone's eye and make them curious about what you have to offer. This is not just about people discovering your brand, but also you introducing yourself to new brands. At this point, you've gotten their attention. They've signed up for your email list. They've joined your Facebook group or they're following you on Instagram. Now you need to engage them. This is where you're deepening the relationships through shared value, helpful content, genuine interaction. This is really about relationship building. It's a two-way street. You want to connect with them and have them feel like they are connecting with you and really building that bond. Trust, this is the home stretch, the deciding factor that turns a follower into a customer. Here you've built enough credibility and rapport for them to invest their time and more importantly, their money into what you're offering. It's also the place where you are actually making that strong call to action to get them to convert from a fan to a client. Okay, let's roll up our sleeves and get to work on the strategy. Step one, we want to audit your current marketing channels and align them with the no like trust path. 
So first things first, grab a sheet of paper, open a new doc and write down every single platform or marketing channel where you make an appearance. Now you want to categorize them in the no like trust. So what platforms are for getting known? What traffic sources are you bringing into your community? Are you focused on SEO and Google search and your website? Are you doing a lot of collaborations? Do you have a big referral pipeline coming in? Is it through Pinterest or a podcast, right? Everything down where people are discovering you in the no category. Next, let's talk engagement. What platforms allow you to go deeper? Maybe this is your email marketing campaign or Instagram stories or DMs. Maybe it's speaking opportunities or where you're really getting to collab with other people, but it's where you're able to talk to others in your community. So write those under the like category. Lastly, trust channels. So where are you turning interest into action? What is your call to action? Is it discovery calls? Is it attending the workshop? Are you having people go directly to a sales page? So write all of those down under the trust category. So now that we have a good look of our marketing channels that we're on, we want to streamline this journey. So take a hard look at your list. Are there platforms that are just not pulling their weight? If they're not contributing to your journey from the no to like to trust path, it's time to cut them loose. Also, if you find that it's just hard to get any traction on it, they don't feel as effortless no matter what you do. They may be worth cutting and adding in a new strategy. We want each of these stages to be very focused and a stepping stone to the next, not a stumbling block. So I like to have, you know, three to five marketing channels on the no that sort of narrows down to two to three and the like that narrows down to one and two in trust. So it is a it is like a sales funnel, but we're really talking about the full brand experience here. Okay, so step three is to turn our no like trust path into an actionable strategy. So this is for Time for the nitty gritty. For each stage, we want to ask what can be fine tuned, what can be optimized or be made to be more effective. So we really want to come away with actionable tasks that we can do to make every step better and working for us. So maybe at the no stage, you can use some SEO magic or a more consistent posting schedule. Moving on, think about your action items. These are the activities or tasks that need that you need to be done once or maybe on a regular basis. So in the like stage, is there something specific that would really engage your audience? Perhaps a weekly Q&A session on Instagram stories. Or when it comes to trust, you need to add beef up your testimonials or showcase some killer case studies. Maybe you do once a year review of your sales page. Lastly, let's talk automation. I love a good automation. Uh, It helps your audience stay engaged, but you don't have to do as much with it. What can you set and forget? Look for tools or software that can help you automate your email, social media posts, uh, maybe DM conversations, and even booking of the discovery calls. Every little bit helps in creating a seamless journey. By the end of this, as you go through sort of each marketing channel, in your new client journey, and you think through what can be optimized, what actionable steps you need to take, what tools can you use to automate, you are going to have a focused, streamlined, and downright effective marketing strategy that's going to take your audience from mere curiosity all the way to trust. And that's not just good for business. It is really essential. So now you're ready to go and make some no like trust magic happen. 
go ahead and implement this. You've totally got it. After you mapped your no like trust journey and had executed the strategy, here's the beautiful transformation that awaits you. A laser focused strategy that consistently takes someone from curious browser to a dedicated brand advocate. When you apply this marketing mixology, it's more than just recognizing your target audience. It's really about deeply understanding their needs and meeting them at every turn. You're turning this understanding into a structured, actionable client journey that leaves no room for guesswork for you or your audience. So picture this, a potential client stumbles upon your no channel, let's say like a blog post that you've optimized to answer a question they might have. They read it, they love it, they want more. Your strategically placed call to action throughout the blog post nudges them onto your email list, part of your like channel, where you're deepening the connection through well-crafted, authentic emails and maybe a workshop or two. By the time they've moved onto your trust part of the path, they're totally convinced and sold that you are the one to solve their problem. They're going to click that like book a discovery call or go to your sales page, not because you've sold to them, but because they've been provided consistent value and clarity at each step of the journey. And the best part is they don't quietly slip into the night. They become raving fans talking about you and even doing the marketing for you. It's like creating your own cheers bar, a place where not only does everyone know your name, but they also can't stop telling all of their friends about this incredible place they found. That's the power of turning this abstract, no like trust concept into an intentional strategic client journey. It's more about marketing. It's relationship building on a strategic level. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that marketing just isn't about using cool buzzwords like no like trust or a flashy website. It's about curating a client experience so inviting, so authentic that it leaves a lasting impression. When you really put the work into crafting your unique no like trust journey with strategy, you're setting yourself apart from the crowd. No one else has your unique blend of your brand elements your specific client journey, and your ideal audience, period. It's not a carbon copy of someone else's strategy. It is truly authentically you. So cheers to not only running a values-based and profitable business, but also standing out for all the right reasons. My name is Danielle Tucker, and I coach business owners and corporate teams on how to create a profitable and aligned business that honors their energy. I do this by focusing on energetics and business so that more people can experience less burnout and more success without pretending to be someone they're not. One harmful practice that I believe coaches should ditch right away is the belief that your coaching business is an entity that is completely separate from your own internal energy and life force. In fact, this lack of awareness is what I believe is silently sucking away the joy out of doing business and leading more people to burnout. The reason why is because we've been traditionally taught to look at doing business one way without realizing that there's actually a whole energetic world at play here. Now, when I say energy, I don't exactly mean it in the context of how energized you feel when you get out of bed in the morning. When I say energy, I'm talking about those tiny little atoms that make up your DNA, the essence of who you are on a cellular level. When we understand that there is an invisible world of energy around us, within us, and also energy that's fueling our business, it helps to paint a clearer picture of how we can create a coaching business that honors our energy. Let me share why we all need to let this belief system go. As I close my eyes, I can think all the way back to my fifth grade science class. 
Now, let me tell you, I loved science class because it often meant that there was an opportunity to play with slime or make something explode or do something messy that my parents would not let me do at home. They would let me get away with it at school, you know, all in the name of science, of course. But this particular day in science class, we were talking about the body and how the body is made up of all these tiny little atoms that you couldn't see. Sometimes we can see the evidence of atoms in motion, like steam coming off of a hot cup of coffee, and other times atoms were moving really slowly, like how water turns into ice when it's frozen. When enough of these atoms are put together, they can make bigger things that we can see with the human eye. Things like the cars that we drive in, the phone in my hand, even our fingerprints that are uniquely our own. And while I must admit, I really could only comprehend so much talk about quantum physics back then, but now I absolutely adore and appreciate talking about it. When it comes to business, ignoring the fact that your business has an energetic signature all its own can either support or sabotage your growth as a coach, leader, or business owner. So the question is, how do we fix this? Instead of focusing on your business, let's flip the script and focus on you, the coach, so that you can create a aligned business that honors your energy. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead of the traditional cookie cutter way that most people have been trying to run their coaching business. The strategy I'm going to share with you is a three-step process of how to leverage your human design to create a coaching business that honors your energy. Human design has been growing in popularity over the past few years, but for anyone who isn't aware of what it is, human design is a synthesis of ancient and modern systems that provides a comprehensive map of someone's energetic blueprint and offers insight into your purpose, strengths, and challenges. So why is this important for business? I'm sure you're wondering. Well, there are actually five main energy types and everyone on the face of the planet falls into one of these groups. There are generators, manifesting generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. So why is it important to understand these different energy types? Each type has its own strategy and way of interacting with the world, which can help you to align with your true nature and make decisions that are correct for you, i.e. growing and scaling a coaching business that honors your energy. Now I'll take you through each step of how to leverage your human design to ensure that your coaching business honors your energy. But the first thing I want you to do is I am going to share a resource with you is bodygraph.io. And what I want you to do is go to this website, B-O-D-Y-G-R-A-P-H.io and enter your birth information so that you can get your human design body graph chart. If you don't already have your chart, this is the absolute first step that you need to do because our next step is absolutely paramount to first having your chart. So Our next step in this process is to recognize when you are out of alignment. And the way that you do this is you first understand which of these five different energy types you fall under and also what are your self and not self themes. So for example, we have five here. I'll start with manifestor and work our way down really quickly all the way through the five energy types so I can give you a really quick overview of how this works. So manifestors, they're the initiators who can start things without waiting for external cues. And how the not self and self theme works is think of it in the way of your not self theme is like 
a red flag alarm blinker going off, letting you know that you were out of alignment. So for manifestors, that not self theme is anger, feeling deep anger. But a self theme, which is like the green go light, I guess we can say, is peace. So when they feel a deep peace within them, that's when manifestors know they're in alignment. So what about generators? That's the next group we have. Generators, they make up the majority of the population and they have a sustainable life force energy that's designed to respond rather than initiate. So their not self-theme is actually frustration. So when you feel a deep frustration of things just not going how you want them to, that would be a theme for generators. But a self-theme of alignment is deep satisfaction. When you feel really fulfilled and satisfied with how things are working for you, that's when you know that you are in alignment. Next, we have manifesting generators. They're a subset of generators. You might want to think of them as like a hybrid of manifestors and generators. Um, And they have the power to both initiate and respond. And their not self-theme is actually frustration as well. So I would say like frustration and anger, maybe a mixture of both. Uh, But that is how you know you're out of alignment. And instead, your self-theme is deep fulfillment and satisfaction. I would say even feeling some peace in there too. That lets you know that things are in alignment for you. Next, we have reflectors. They are rare and unique and beautiful people. They mirror their environment and need a lunar cycle to make decisions. And the not-self-theme for reflectors is deep disappointment. But the self-theme is being pleasantly surprised and delighted and satisfied with life and how things are flowing for you. So that's a little bit about reflectors. And then projectors, that's our fifth energy type. They're not energy beings as well who are here to guide and manage others. And they work best when invited and recognized for their natural abilities. So a not self-theme for projectors is bitterness. So just feeling really bitter about how things are looking for you, that lets you know that things are out of alignment. But a the self theme for projectors is success, just feeling and seeing this deep feeling of success and alignment of what that looks like for you. Look at your chart, find your energy type and pay attention to yourself and not self themes. This is the first step to knowing when you are in alignment or out of alignment when it comes to making sure that your coaching business is honoring you and your energy. Now, the next thing we want to do in this three-step process is we're going to do an audit of your business, okay? So I'm talking sales, marketing, operations, client success, your team. I want you to look at every part and think about what has made you feel frustrated or angry or bitter or completely disillusioned or dissatisfied with how things are working in your business. Start here first and let that be your starting point to really give you clarity on where things are out of alignment. Maybe that's with your sales process. Maybe it's the container of how you're working with your clients, or maybe it's a marketing strategy that you've been pushing through because someone else told you that it works really well for coaches, but you know that it makes you feel all kinds of anger and bitterness inside. Like, It's really all about paying attention to what feels aligned and what just doesn't feel aligned for you. And you know what? If it doesn't feel aligned, that's okay. That is your opportunity to change it and make it so much better for yourself. So take a look at that, make a list. And also I encourage you, don't judge it. 
observe it. Look at this from an observatory perspective. And this leads us to our final step, which is to commit to take one action that will lead your vision of an aligned coaching business that feels really good for you. So like I said, observe it and ask yourself, what feels off about this for me? What would feel absolutely amazing? Is this particular thing something that I should delegate or should I change it or should I completely get rid of this altogether? Whatever that looks like for you, think of that one thing. And I want you to commit to take one action step in that direction to create an experience that feels really good for you. And this may take some time. This may just take a moment or some time for you to process and really get clear on what feels good for you. I know that in the online coaching space, there's a lot of people talking and chitter chatter and a lot of conditioning for how people say a coaching business should work. And that may not be exactly how it looks for you. So give yourself some grace and really take the time you need, observe it and figure out what feels really good for you, what feels aligned, and then take that first action step to making a pivot in a way that feels really, really good for you. Here's what's possible when coaches use their human design to create a coaching business that honors their energy. You start to hone this deep knowing of what is aligned and what's not. And here's the thing, you don't feel guilt or shame about it. You start to recognize what marketing and sales strategies that flow and are best suited for you in your design. You start to give yourself permission to rest and not feel guilty about it. If taking more naps or time alone is indeed a necessary part of your design, by all means, do it. You start to find more harmony working with team members who complement your design and the natural way in which you operate and do things. You start to have deep gratitude and self-acceptance for who you are and how you're created. This is probably my absolute favorite part of leveraging human design. Because instead of wondering why you can't seem to run your business the way everyone else says you should, you start to give yourself permission to honor your genius and celebrate the unique way of who you are and how you do things and how you move through the world. This is what I want for you. And this is what I want for all coaches because we are all unique and wonderfully made and we deserve to feel good about business and know that we're creating a life, business, and career that brings us joy and is truly honoring our energy. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that if you've ever felt different or if you've ever felt like there had to be a better way of growing your coaching business, I want to be the first to tell you that one, you're not crazy, and two, there is. You are meant to tread a path that is uniquely designed for you. By understanding your human design, you greatly increase your potential for creating a coaching business that not only makes you money, but actually brings you true joy and happiness and fulfillment within your life, your career, your health, and your bank account. You, my friend, deserve the best. Keep going. I'm cheering for you. And thank you so much for saying yes to yourself and choosing to leverage your human design to create a coaching business that honors your energy. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to Coaches on a Mission, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that you don't miss another episode. This small act of support actually helps us get this important what to do instead message into more earbuds of values-driven coaches just like you. So speaking of that, if you know a values-driven coach who could benefit from this episode, this show, or definitely this series, please share this episode with them now. And don't forget to download your companion What to Do Instead magazine now at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. We will see you soon for another excellent episode.